Thank you so much for joining us here at Word Baptist Church. I'm Jamar Andrews. I'm the lead pastor, and I get the great privilege of shepherding here. I'm excited that you're joining us today for this sermon. You're about to receive text-driven preaching. My prayer is that God speaks to you through this time as you listen to this message. So enjoy, and God bless. Revelation chapter 22 uh, is where we uh, will be as we conclude our series uh, in the book of Revelation. Seems uh, odd to say that we've been in the book for such a long time uh, to say we are finally uh, at the close of the book. Uh, We have learned and been able to see a lot of wonderful things and so I'm looking forward uh, to preaching uh, the message today. But before we do, uh, I just want to extend a uh, happy Father's Day uh, to the fathers that are with us uh, in our service here. Uh, those will be watching. Uh, happy Father's Day to you. I hope that you have a great day today, that uh, you get to do exactly what you want to do. Uh, you get to sit in a chair, get a nap, your favorite meal, have a great time uh, today uh, on Father's Day. Uh, we have uh, been working our way through the book uh, of Revelation. And uh, we have had an opportunity to see some uh, very special things uh, that the Lord has uh, been willing to communicate to us. And, uh, and so if you have not been able to be on the journey with us through the book, I just want to do a brief introduction to let you know where we've been and the things that we've had an opportunity uh, to see. Uh, the book of Revelation uh, is broken down into three major sections. You have chapter 1 as the first section, chapter 2 and 3 as the second and uh, chapters 4 through 22 as the third section. In the book, uh, we are uh, brought right into the realization in chapter 1 of the human instrument that the Lord is using, uh, John, the Apostle John. Uh, It's the same John that he used uh, to give us the uh, Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and now the book of Revelation. And we're told that John is in a a prison on the Isle of Patmos that he has uh, been sent there. And, uh, and, but God is still working in his life. And in that first movement, uh, he is introduced to someone that he knows. Uh, he just didn't see him or know him in the way in which he saw him in chapter 1. Uh, he was brought into the realization of the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ in all his glory and power. You know, sometimes if we're not careful, we can have the viewpoint that Jesus is still a baby in the manger or he is still being talked bad to by Pilate and other people being bruised and beaten. But can I just tell you, that's not who he is. Uh, He went through that for a season and a time, uh, but he is sitting on the right hand of the Father, and he is ruling and reigning. And so we get a chance to see that picture. In chapters 2 and 3, we are brought into the church age, the dynamics of what it was going to be like uh, to be uh, in the church, what Uh, the church would experience and go through the hardships and the difficulties, but also the victories and the success. And so chapters 2 and 3 lay out for us uh, a picture of uh, church history. In chapter 4, we get brought into this realization that uh, there is heaven, and there is a temple there, and there is, is a throne room, and God is working and moving. And so we begin to see the heavenly vision and what God intends for us to understand about Uh, how he's going to bring human history to an appropriate conclusion. And from chapter 4 through 22, we see judgments, sealed judgments, and bold judgments, trumpet judgments. We have an opportunity to uh, see that even in the midst of God judging, uh, that there's going to be people's lives impacted, saved, and transformed. We see how the Lord works, and he brings his enemies underneath his feet, and how he rules, and how he reigns. And so today, as we get to this uh, final message... The conclusion. 
You know, it amazes me that we are going to be reading the last words of the last book in the Bible. And, you know, in our day, we, we get excited about uh, the first words, the first words that people say. You know, with it being Father's Day, I don't mind to share the story with you that uh, when my, uh, my daughter was born, she, uh, my first child, and I had a goal in mind that for every child the Lord gave us that uh, I wanted their first word to be dada. That was a goal. And so I campaigned hard for that. And so I would hold them and groom them up and say, dad, 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 all the time. We were feeding and while they were in bed. And her first word was, dad, dad. It was wonderful. And so I remember this dynamic. You know, we get so excited. Well, I have a son. And uh, he's younger. He, he's four years old. And I can remember the same thing. I want him to say, dad, dad. But we had some stiff competition in the house. And I'll never forget, as I'm trying to help train him up to say daddy first, uh, he was in this little bouncy deal in the living room, and I was talking to him, and I was like, say daddy, son. Say daddy. But his sister over here on the side over here was saying, no, say sissy. And I had to look at her and say, you ain't got nothing to do with this. His mama was in the bedroom hollering, say mama. And when he said daddy, I got the video on my phone. It was so awesome, so excited. And so we think a lot about that first word. We, 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 we think about those. But can I just tell you that I believe that last words are just as impactful and meaningful. You know, as a matter of fact, if, you, if we were to just have some time to talk about loved ones and things that we remember about individuals, the last thing that they said to us many times, we remember the last text message, the last phone call. We, we remember those things. And I believe that it's important for us to see that out of all the things that God could have said, in his last inscripturated word, in the, in the last place where he was going to communicate to us, I believe that he is communicating something that is dear to his heart. You see, just by way of encouragement, I would say to you that if you get the opportunity, you can write out what you want to, to, to be your last words to your family, or to people that you know, or you can even record, and I encourage you to do such. But God has recorded for us, and it gives us great encouragement. It gives us great strength. It orients our life when we can see what he has to say to us. And as we go down through this, I'm just going to let you know on the front end that uh, originally this section was going to be in two different sermons. And it's in one, so you're going to get to hear two sermons today, so buckle up. we got some ground to cover. But ultimately, we're going to see that, that our Lord in what he does is he's going to affirm encourage, direct, and warn us. He has, he has some great encouragement for us. He has some great affirmation for us. But he also has some directives and for sure some warnings. And as we look at this passage, it reminds me of the fact that ultimately in the last thing that the Lord is going to communicate, he is communicating to us this beautiful invitation to come to him. And he lays out for us what our lives should be about. But before we get there, I want to share a passage of Scripture to kind of set the tone for us. To set the tone for what I believe God has been trying to communicate to us ever since the event of Genesis chapter 3. And in Titus, in the book of Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14, uh, this is what he has to say to us. He says this, for the grace of God has appeared. Y'all catch that? The grace of God has appeared bringing salvation to all men instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us he gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. So I believe that if you look at God's love and the, the, the thrust and the movement that he has made toward us, and I believe that this last message, those things I want to have on our minds, that we live in a certain way, that we witness, that we have a perspective as we wait for him, and that we understand that he is inviting us. He is inviting us to come to him. I hope we've had an opportunity to find uh, Revelation chapter 22, if you hadn't found it, just go to the very back of your Bible, watch out for the maps and all that good stuff. Keep rolling a little bit. And it's that last page. It's going to be the last one right there. 
Revelation chapter 22. I'm going to read the passage in its entirety and then we'll unpack it together. Verse 6 says this. And he said to me that he is the angel that had, had been dealing with John. And he said to me, these words are faithful and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, sent his angel to show to his bondservants the things which must soon take place. And behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who heeds the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw, I fell down and worshiped at the feet of the angel who showed me these things. But he said to me, do not do that. I'm a fellow servant of yours and of your brethren, the prophets, and of those who heed the words of this book. Worship God. And he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the one who does wrong still do wrong, and the one who is filthy still be filthy. And let the one who is righteous still practice righteousness. And the one who is holy still keep himself holy. Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to render to every man according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter by the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs and the sorcerers and the immoral persons and the murderers and the idolaters and everyone who loves and practices lying. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David. Bright morning star, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come, and let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who wishes to take the water of life without cost. I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues which are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his part from the tree of life and from the holy city which are written in this book. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming quickly. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. The first thing that we're going to see in our passage, it breaks down into two major sections. And the, the first thing we're going to see is verses 6 to 12. We're going to see that in this final message that God is calling us to obey the word of God faithfully until he comes. To obey the, the word of God faithfully until he comes. You know, this whole section is a big invitation. And when I think about this idea of an invitation, it makes me think about in our culture, uh, things that we send invitations out for. Anybody ever had to send out wedding invitations? Let me just see if I show hands. Yeah, that's a big deal. We get mad up in here and you send out the invitation and then you ask people to RSVP back, let you know that they coming and whatever kind of meal they want and whatever you, the particulars are. But, you know, the first invitation I can remember receiving was one to a birthday party. And can I tell you, I love getting an invitation to the birthday party because I knew what that meant. That meant we're going to have cake and we're going to eat good and we're going to swim and we're going to go to some place to play. And, man, I was so excited when I got that first invitation, the first invitation I can remember having. And you see, what I'm going to submit to you is that in the last correspondence that God makes in his word is he's sending out an invitation. And he is expecting humanity, lost humanity, to RSVP. He's asking you by faith. How do you do it? By faith, you RSVP to let him know that, yes, I have gotten the invitation, I accept the invitation, and I will be there. And ultimately, we're going to see the reason why I say that and how we are to live our lives in light of the reality that he has sent 
this invitation. And the first is surrounding his word, the word of God. If you look with me in verse 6, you, you'll see that he comes out of the gate swinging and he says, these words are faithful and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirit of the prophets, sent his angel to show his bond servants the things which must soon take place. So the first thing and the reason why you should be willing to set your life, orient your life to, to the invitation that God has sent you and be willing to trust his word is because it says it here, his word is faithful and true. Can I say it another way? His word is reliable. It's dependable. That when you think about your life, you, you can trust the word of God. You, you can trust it. And so we see here, he says that the, these words are faithful and true. The Lord God, it says the spirit of the prophets. And so what God has done is, is he has given us his word to be able to orient our lives. As we are here, we, we can trust his word. Now, when we do that, it, it will shape the way in which we live. And I just find that in our day, far too many of us are not willing to orient our lives around the word of God. We have all these other influences that want to tell us how to live and tell us how to think and tell us what to do and tell us where to go. But can I tell you, I believe that the one who made us has given us a manual, Bible, basic instructions before leaving earth. He has given us what we need to be able to orient our lives. The question is, is are you going to be willing to trust it? If you're taking notes, I want you to jot down 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 19 through 21. And all I'm going to tell you is, is as the farther I go down into this text, the, the more fired up I get. So I hope you came ready. 2 Peter 1, verse 19, telling us about the, the Lord and his word. It says this, so we have the prophetic word made more sure to which you do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place. Until the day dawns and the morning star arises. We saw that already. We're going to get down there here in a minute. In your hearts. Verse 20 says this. But know this first of all, that no prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. And what he means there is, is that it's not about what you think or how you feel or what you think it should be. God is the one that has given it. And so he is the one that says what it is. It's not a matter of what we think. Verse 21, the reason why that's the case, it says this, for no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will. Catch that now. The word of God that we have, God's work toward us, his word, how we should live our lives, it was not man's idea. It was God's idea. The author is the one who we can trust, and the reason why we should be able to orient our lives around his word is because he is trustworthy. The one who has given it to us is worthy of trusting. We should be willing to orient our lives. It says it's not an act of human will, meaning it, this was not John's idea. It wasn't Isaiah's idea. It wasn't Ezekiel's idea. It wasn't Daniel's idea. What God does, we have one author, and he takes the language of man, the context and the culture and the art, and he takes man and he moves them along. That's what the text says. It says this, but men moved by the Holy Spirit. It spoke from God. This idea of being moved, the word picture here is like a sailboat. Anybody ever been on a sailboat? You, you know, when you get on a sailboat, you are requiring and asking and needing a source outside of you to provide the power for you to be able to move. And so when it comes to Scripture, what God did was, look, listen, Isaiah, he was like a sailboat. He was there. Spiritually, the, the, the sail went up, and God's Word, the Holy Spirit, came in and breathed in and gave us what we need. We believe in the verbal plenary inspiration of Scripture, meaning verbally, that we believe that God, the Holy Spirit, took each and every word, and he meant what he said. And then the plenary, meaning the whole of it, that is a cohesive unit. That when you look at it's different cultures, three different languages, different continents, but it's one message. And it's worthy of you taking your life and setting it down on that foundation. The reason why I say that is because what he says in verse 7. We, we, we know the word is dependable and reliable, but did you catch what he said? He says this in verse 7. And behold, I'm, I'm coming quickly. Blessed is the one who heeds the word. Did y'all see that? It didn't say blessed is the one who reads it. Blessed is the one who thinks about it. Blessed is the one who makes these nice little devotions. Blessed is the one who posts it on their social media, Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and Snapchat. It didn't say blessed. It says blessed is the one who does what? Heeds. That means the one who keeps it, the one who does it. It's not enough just to have a Bible, read a Bible, think about the Bible, post the Bible. You have to be willing to live the Bible. 
And that is ultimately the message. That is where it comes in at, that the, the number one influence in your life and in my life has to be the word of God. God and his word has to be number one. He says we have to heed it. Now, when you, you think about this, th this carries the idea of having a consistent obedience to the word of God. That it influences your mind and your heart daily. Your actions, the way in which we live. If you're taking notes, I just want you to jot down Colossians chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 16 and 17 because I know y'all's question is, so how in the world do we heed the word? I'm so glad y'all asked this morning. Y'all look so riveted. Y'all excited. How do we do this? Because can I just tell you, I've been watching, and I've been watching how as our world and as our culture goes through all these difficulties, all these things, this is not new to anybody. This is not new to God. We act like God just ring like, did would you look at that? Have you ever seen that? I can just hear the guy. They're like, have you ever? Has it ever happened in, 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 to any particular people? And we just wring our hands. But can I just tell you, he has already beaten us there. And what he's saying to us is, listen, we have to be willing to heed the words that are in this book. Now, catch it now. In verse 16 of Colossians, I believe it's a great application for us. It says this, let the word of Christ, what does that word say? Richly. Look, I ain't had people in here when I've been preaching for a long time. And I'm still getting used to y'all, so can y'all help me for a second? On three, can we say the word richly? Because this is a very important word. On three, can we say richly together? One, two, three. Richly. Man, that sounds so, I've been missing that. Let the word of Christ richly dwell. Not cheaply, not skimpy, not barely, but how? Richly. So when we think about this, I just, it says let, let, the, let the word of Christ richly do what? Dwell within you. Can I just tell you, the problem in our world, even Christian folk, as I've been watching the things going on in our nation and politically and racially and whatever else going on, this is the problem. Well, can I just tell you, when I look at it and I see black and white and we, everybody just firing shots on social media and firing all these other things, the, here is the problem, that the word is not richly dwelling within. Because when it does... When it does, let me just tell you, watch how the text develops. It says, with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another. Because not what happens when that is true of you, you become a worshiper. Notice what comes out. Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing with, with what? Thankfulness. Where? In your heart. To who? God. So the thing about it is what happens as we begin to heed the word and we allow it to work and move in our lives, we allow the word, we become worshipers. And that worship comes out. I just want to see the development. You see it on the text. The development here says in the heart. That's where the change has to be in the first place. Can I just tell you, anything else is managing mess. I'm not saying don't have laws. I'm not saying don't establish things like that. But just know all those things do is they manage mess like a trash compactor. The trash compactor, all it does is let you get more mess in there. It doesn't do anything about the mess. So ultimately, what we need, we need heart change and transformation. And the only way that happens is when you let the word of God dwell in you richly. Y'all with me this morning? We ain't even done with the text. Verse 17. Whatever you do. Did, did somebody, did y'all hear what it says? Whatever you do. You mean, preacher, when people don't know what I'm doing? Yep, that's what it said, whatever you do. You mean preacher when everybody knows what I'm doing? You mean preacher when I post something, when, when, I'm, when I'm dealing with people? Yep, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Can, can I just tell you, for the child of God, there is no separation between the secular and the sacred. It's all sacred. For us, the way in which we talk, the way in which we think, where we go, all, it's all sacred. It all matters. And we must be willing to come in underneath the leadership, the lordship of our God, our Lord, and his word. That's where it matters. That, that, that's where it matters. We have to have our minds renewed, transformed. When it says heed the word, you know, in the Bible, let, let me just give it to you quickly. In the, in the Bible, there are many things that the Bible says about itself. It's crazy, many ways in which it's described. Let me just give you some. Number one, it says it's a, it's a sword, that the word of God is a sword. Y'all know it's a, it's a, it's a two-edged sword, right? Double-edged sword, right? It can cut you going in and coming out. Hallelujah. It can take care of you. It, can ju it judges, right? So when you think about it, it's a weapon of offense and defense, right? We go on the offensive, 
but we also can defend whenever we are attacked. That, that, that's the nature of the word of God. And can I just tell you where I find this most critical is in the mind. Can I just tell you, you want to come next week? If you can't be here, please watch it because I just find that everybody else coming out about how they feel about everything. Everybody else coming out, so I might as well come out too, okay? And what I'm going to tell you is, is that the major issue is a stronghold of the mind issue. And the word of God is where the transformation comes to change the mind, to break down the strongholds. It's a sword. It's also a hammer. It's a hammer. It comes in and it breaks down. It breaks things down. It, it, it comes in and it works destruction. But can I tell you, it's also a mirror. The, the Bible and James says that it's a mirror. The, the law, it's a mirror. It lets you see who you really are. And it lets you see who everybody else really is. And that way we don't have to compare ourselves and say, you know, I really ain't as bad as them over there. Because we all got the same standard. It's a mirror. But, it, but also you hear the word, it's like a seed. It's like a seed. It germinates and it grows and it brings what we need to have sustenance and nourishment. But my favorite is that it's like water. It's like water bringing a wellspring of life and it brings us the exact thing that we need for life. You see, when I think about this idea, John is laying out for us that this is important and the, the, the reason why it's so important. John's going to lay it out for us. The reason why we should trust the word is because we have a tendency to worship things that are not worthy. We have a tendency. Did, did, did you catch it in verse 8? Look with me in verse 8. John says, I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed me these things. Y'all catch that? What did the angel say? You better quit that. That's a contemporary version. But he said to me, do not do that. Do not. We just saw John in 19 do this, and the angel said, boy, you better stop. You know the last cat that, that, that did this, you know what happened to him? You know what happened? You better get up. But I believe what happens is, is, is we, we tend to worship things that are not worthy. See, the Lord alone is acceptable. He, he's the only one that we should worship. And so what I believe he's laying out for us is not only do we obey the word because it's reliable, but we also allow it to lead our worship. We need to pay attention and we need to think clearly. See, I, I jotted down that good things become bad things when they become God things. Good things become bad things when they become God things, meaning that there can be good things in your life, but whenever they hold a position or put in a place where only God should be, then it becomes a bad thing. And so thus we have to allow the word to orient our perspective so we can worship correctly. Our lives will be lived correctly. We, we worship correctly. We have to be willing to pay attention. But not only should we see that we obey because it's reliable and it informs our worship, but we also need to recognize that God is looking to us to share it. He's looking to us to share it. Let, let me just share this with you. Look, look at me in verses, verses 10 and 11. It says this, and he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Did y'all catch that? This is a little different than in Daniel. If you remember in Daniel, Daniel in the Old Testament, God was revealing all these prophecies, all these future things. And in chapter 12, verse 4, we're going to look at in a second. He told Daniel, hey, don't you be sharing this now. Let's, let's just look at it together. Daniel chapter 12, verse 4 says this. But as for you, who? Daniel. What does he say? Conceal these words and seal up the book until the end of time. Many will go back and forth, and knowledge will increase. But you see what he told John? What did he tell John? Don't put a seal on it. Why, why not? Because the end is near. With the, the people need this word right now. They need this word right now. Right now in this day, people are going to have the tendency to not trust the word of God, to not be willing to surrender their life, to not follow the Lord, and they need it right now. Do not seal it up. You know, people ask me all the time, how, how can I tell if something has become an eye of my life. Well, I just say, let's just do the three T's test. Time, talent, and treasures. H how much of your time, how much of your talent, and how much of your treasure do you expend on, on any particular thing or person or relationship? Okay? I'm just going to go on a limb here and ask y'all the, the, the question, who do you think should have the, the most of all those things? 
Right? Y'all like, that's a Sunday school answer. God, the Lord Jesus should have it. Right? But can I, let's just be honest, though. When we start digging around in our lives, what we can find is, is there are other things, good things that can be getting our time, talent, and treasure. If we're not careful. But this word is supposed to be shared. Now, before we just break down in this, it's supposed to be shared, and it's supposed to be shared for an important reason. I want you to look with me in verse 11. The reason why it's supposed to be shared is verse 11. It says this, let the one who does wrong still do wrong, and the one who is filthy still be filthy, and let the one who is righteous still practice righteousness, and the one who is holy still keep himself holy. Now, I know when you read it, you might think, man, Lord, that's kind of rough. What you trying to say, that there ain't no hope, people can't change, that, they, that, that there ain't no way? Like if you're a sinner and you're doing all these things, that we're in the end times and it's just too late for you? Nope, that's not what he's saying at all. And my first point that I want to make here is that the reason why we need to share it, the reason why we need to share it is because we have people that do wrong and that are filthy. Can I just be transparent in here for a second? Before I was a saved man, that was my life, wrong and filthy. Can I tell you something about yourself? It was yours too. We all in here together. So, so understand that we have to be willing to share the word because that is the truth of the human condition. Now, when we start talking about sharing, you know, we share all kinds of stuff in our day. We, we share all kinds of stuff. People share recipes. You go eat something good. Mm, that's good. What's, what's the recipe? Right? We share on, we get online and we share. I'm going to share this. Let me just, it's an actual thing. I'm going to share this post real quick. We're going to share about where I've been. We share all kinds of stuff. Growing up, my sister, I, I don't know how ladies do it, but they share clothes. I'm like, man, I ain't nobody wearing my stuff. We ain't doing that. <laughs> you ain't wearing my shoe. I'm sorry. You're not wearing my shirt. I'm not sharing. I don't know about anybody. Y'all might think, but that's stingy. Look, it's mine. You hear me? You're not wearing mine. But as I've gotten older, we're talking Father's Day, I think about my kids. And that's one of the things, you know, they really stretch me in my sharing, especially when it comes to food. I'll be eating mine in my business. <laughs> and I'll be getting to the good bite. Dad, can I have a bite? Go ahead. <laughs> you know, it's, it's taken me some years to get there. I'm like, you wait till I get to the last bite, the last one. I'm saving this bite. You won't come get my good bite. But can I tell you the thing that's hardest for me to share is a drink, especially with my kids. And y'all know why. Whenever I had that drink, I try to drink as much as I can, as much as I can to get satisfied before I hand it over because I know when I get it back, it will never be the same. It won't be the same. Y'all probably call it backwash. We call it washback at my house. I know as soon as it goes, especially my son, that rascal, he will wash back in a second on you if you ain't careful. Be little flakes of bread and, and mayonnaise and everything else, meat floating all in there. And when I think about this idea, when we talk about sharing, when we talk about sharing the word, this is what we should, we should understand, that when you share the word with somebody that's wrong, when you share the word with somebody that's filthy, the idea is that their life is going to wash back in the word, and that filthiness and that nastiness is going to wash back in the word. But that's okay because the word can handle it. It's got enough power to cleanse and to forgive and to transform. That's the idea, and that's why we do it. And I believe we have to be willing, have to be willing to share it. You see, but what about verse 11. Is God giving us where there's no hope? That's not what he's saying at all. As a matter of fact, in verse 11, what he's saying to us is that how you respond to the word will confirm who you are and where you're going. So what he means by that is like whenever you, you share the word and somebody that's wrong, if they continue to do wrong, then what they're showing is it's showing who they belong to and ultimately where their destiny is. But understand that when you're a child of God, and listen, there ain't not a one of us in here perfect, but there comes a time where there's repentance and there's transformation and there is change, and it's showing us that, listen, when we live holy and righteous, we ain't always been in that position. There was a BC for every one of us. And so when we move to that movement, that is showing us who we are and our ultimate destination. So he's saying to you, listen, you continue to share the word. That, that's his movement. You continue to share the word, and the response of the people will show you ultimately who they are and where they're going. Can I say it another way? It's going to show you their character and their destiny, where they're headed. 
And so for us, we, we recognize that we share the word, but we just keep trusting that God is working and moving. You, you don't have to stay wrong. You don't have to stay filthy, but recognize the way you respond is going to show where you ultimately will be and who you are. You know, the last thing I want us to see in this first movement is verse 12. In verse 12, it says this, Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to render to every man according to what he has done. You know, one of the things that I love about our God is he, he's not going to owe anybody anything. There's nobody that's going to put him in debt to where he's going to owe them a thing. But can I tell you, ultimately, what happens many times in our lives is we get so connected to our emotions that, that we, we can't think straight. We don't have a, a way about us that, that we, we recognize when God is moving and working. We can get so emotional about things, so emotional about things that we don't think clearly. And I believe that God, he, he tests the heart. He tests those things, and he calls us to be bedrock, lock, solid. And when I think about all the things that's going on, I just see a lot of emotion and everybody mad and all upset. And I'm like, look, we can't even have a clear conversation because you're too mad. Your, your, heart, your heart is in it, but the problem is, is you can't trust it. Many times your emotions will have you staying when you should have been running and running when you should have been staying. It'll have you looking up when you should have been looking down and down when you should have been looking up. You will not be focused. And God is, is, is very clear. I just, if you're taking notes, I just want you to jot down a passage. Jeremiah 17, chapter 17, we're going to look at, at verses 9 through 10. Jeremiah 17, verse 9 says this. The heart is more deceitful than all else. Did y'all catch that? If we are not careful, listen, we believe that God, he can redeem us, he can work. But if you start letting the way you feel, the heart, the, the, that part of you be the what is the primary lead in your life, you better watch out because you will be deceived. It's deceitful. It's desperately sick. Then, then there's a question you ready for? Who can understand it? Listen, don't, don't, don't allow your life to be so up and down emotionally. That's why you got to come in underneath the revealed will and word of God. You have to allow it to lead because it's sick and you will, you will be deceived. Who can understand it? Verse 10, y'all ready for it? Here the answer. I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind even to give to each man according to his ways, according to the, say it with me, results of his deeds. See, ultimately what, what the word of God is teaching us here is that your life is ultimately, it's the ultimate indicator of what you believe. What I like to say is there are a whole lot of talking that people can do. Talk, 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 all the time. But I can tell what you truly believe by how you live. You can tell what I truly believe by how I live. The, the, what is true about the, the core bedrock of who I am or what's in the center control of my life will be lived out each and every day in front of you. And so what he's saying when he says, I'm going to, I'm going to render to every man. Notice it says it in verse 12, according to what he has done. What he's trying to let us know is, is that our life is on full display. And God, when he makes a judgment, it's going to be right every time. It's going to be right every time. Your life is going to show truly who you are. You can say what you want to say. You can post what you want to post. You can make that little fictitious world up about yourself. But the way in which you live, that is who you are. But God can work and move. How, how, do, we, how, do, I, how do I know that? I'm so glad you asked. The second movement is we have to be willing to live faithfully with the Lord until he comes. We have to be willing to live faithfully. I just want us to look in this, in this, in this next movement, specifically at verses 13 through 15. He says this, our Lord speaking, says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. So the first thing that he comes out of the gate swinging why you should live your life faithfully is because Jesus is worthy and he's qualified to make the assessments that he makes. You can trust his judgments. Why? Because he's the Alpha and the Omega. If, they, if we were talking in English, he's the A to Z. He, he was there in the beginning. He's going to be there at the end. And he's controlling everything in the middle. Everything. And so we can trust him. We, we can trust him. He's going to render judgment. He sees all and he knows all. And can I just tell you, it's not because he stayed at a Holiday Inn Express. It's not because he stayed at a Holiday Inn last night. It's who he is. 
It's, it's a part of his credentials. It's, it's him being the, the, the God man. We're going to get that in a second. But it's who he is. Did, did you catch it? He says, I'm the Alpha and Omega. The first and the last, the beginning and the end. Ultimately, he's qualified. Exceptionally qualified. So what does it have to do with, with, with you, though? Well, look at verse 14. It says, blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter by the gates into the city. Now, what is this language talking about washing robes? They wash their robes? Yeah, that's what it says. So the idea, the picture of the relationship that we have with the Lord is that when we give our life to the Lord, he is the one that washes us. That gives us our justification. We are brought into a relationship. A Bible word, we talk, it means to be brought back into a relationship. The separation that existed because of Genesis 3 is, is, is taken care of, and we are brought back. We are justified. So he washes us when he brings us in. Now, there's another part of our salvation. It's not us working for our salvation. It's us working from our salvation. It's the idea that we already have it and that's the part in which we also wash and live a righteous life if you're taking notes I just want you to jot down Romans chapter 12 I'm gonna look at verses 1 and 2 so I can try to help us understand this piece that when we look at this Romans 12 1 and 2 say this therefore I urge you brethren by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice who's supposed to present it the brothers as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God. Notice this now, which is whose spiritual service of worship? Yours. So th this is the piece here. We, we, we are washed when he brings us in, but we continue to keep our lives washed as we continue to submit and to surrender to him. Here we go. Y'all ready for it? Verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world. Boy, ain't that about a verse we need right now in the days in which we live. If I, can, if I ain't seen more Christians, sometimes it's hard to tell. If I didn't know the name on the post, if I didn't know the name on what was said, if I didn't know the name in the conversation, I wouldn't be able to tell any difference between somebody who said they loved Jesus Christ and surrendered to him and somebody who wouldn't know him if he was tapping him on the shoulder. Conformed. The ideology, the mindset of the world has seeped in. And he's saying, listen, don't, don't be conformed to this world. Don't be thinking using the same terminology and the same thought press, the same mindset. Don't be, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. You ready for it? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? So that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. That, that, that's what's at stake here. That, that's why we, we, we live for him. That's why we, we, we trust and we, we continue to. We wash our robes. We live for him. We allow his word to change and to transform us. So we are not like, listen, we have to be in this world, but not of the world. We, we, listen, unless the Lord wraps us up off of this thing, we are still here on this planet, but we don't have to live according to it. And whenever there are decay and issues around us, can I just ask y'all a quick question? How do you expect sinners to act? Sinfully, if, if, you, if, you, if you don't say sinfully, then we need to sit down and have a conversation. And we got a whole lot of people running around saying, this is a sinful world. We know that. We know that. Tell us what we don't know. We, we know that already. So our job is not to get mad whenever the world is sinful. Our job is to be salt and light, salt in a decaying world, light in a dark world. Hey, hey listen. When, when it comes to the way we operate in the church, we are not to be just bringing heat, 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 heat. He said light, okay? He didn't say poison. He said salt. He's a preserver, not, not, not to poison everybody. Listen, we have to live differently in this world and the conversations and things surrounding it. I'm just telling you here in just a second, I'm going to read it. But the problem is, is we don't have people who are renewed and transformed in their mind. The strongholds are still there, built up, built up. You see, the reason why this is so important is because there is a distinction. In verse 15, you, you see the distinction. It says this, outside are the dogs and the sorcerers and the immoral persons and the murderers and the idolaters and everyone who loves and practices lying. There, there is a distinction. 
Now, I, I know when you read that, dogs might sound harsh. Anybody here got a, a, a pet dog? Let me just see. Anybody got a dog? Yeah. I'm, not, we, I'm not talking about your dog. Okay, I'm not talking about your dog. I'm not talking about Fluffy or Fifi or, you know, I'm not talking about your dog. In, in this day, in antiquity, dogs were not, you know, like licking in the mouth and laying in the bed with you. They were nuisances in a city. Okay, they were terrible, running around. And so it was a negative thing, a negative connotation, a negative. When you, when you look at this, negative. And so when he says that there's a distinction between those who have attached their life to this world system and the one who is in control of the world system is Satan. And can I just tell you, you become like who you follow. You become like who you worship. And so ultimately, that is the pattern of their life. And so ultimately, they will, they will fall in line to his punishment. And so when we look at this, that, that's the problem. They have not been willing. There's a distinction, and God's calling us to live distinctly. But not just that, though. Why, why live faithfully? I want you to look with me in verse 16, because Jesus, 16 and 17, he authorizes the message. Why, why, why should you live like this? Why? Okay, thank, thank you, fast. I, Jesus have sent my angel to testify to you these things for the churches. You ready for it? I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star, the spirit and the bride say come, and let the one who hears say come, and let the one who is thirsty come, let the one who wishes take the water of life without cost. You see, he authorizes the message, his, his life. And he does that by laying out this odd construction. But can I tell you, it's a phenomenal one. He says, in our text, he says, I'm a descendant of David. Did y'all see that? Where in the world did that come from? That, we roll the New Testament. All of a sudden, he just throw David and just sprinkle a little David. I raise you a David right there. Why, why, why do that? And did you notice what he says? He says, I am the root and the descendant. So what he just said was, is I'm the source of David, and I'm also in the family of David. Now, how in the world can you be the source and in the family? Well, the only way you can do that is if you created David and you were born in his family. And can I tell you, that is exactly what Jesus did. He is the one who created him, and he is also the one who was born in his family. And what he is driving at is the reason why he can say what he's saying and the reason why he can call us to live faithfully to God is because he has been the model. He is the God-man. He is the one who has accomplished what is necessary. And every time I, I look at this, he lived faithfully. He's faithful. And so he's calling us to trust him. He's calling us to trust him. You know, when I, when I think about what's going on in our world, you know, so many times we look to so many different movements and different people. Can I just tell you, I'm looking at Jesus. I, I'm, I'm looking at Jesus. I don't know where y'all looking. I don't know where you're looking at the house, but I'm looking at Jesus, okay? Because this is what I know about Jesus. Everything that I experience, my, my people experience, our world experience, he experiences it at a, he experiences it at a greater level 10 times, 1 million times more than what we ever will. Y'all want me to give you an example? Y'all don't seem too disagreeable. Then when we look at this idea of why we should trust him, you remember Jesus whenever he was born in Bethlehem? Y'all remember that? He was born in Bethlehem. He was born with uh, some great privilege, wasn't he, right? You, you remember where, where, he, where, his, where, where was he laid after he was born? Manger. Yeah? Oh, my goodness. And you remember these fellas came, these magi, they came, and they told the king, king, there's a new king. And we're going to worship him. We ain't fooling with you. We're going to worship him. And the king made this story up. Yeah, just come back. Let me know where he is so I can go worship too. But the Bible tells us what he really wanted to do. What did he want to do to Jesus? Kill him. As a baby, child, wanted to kill Jesus. Already off the top, wanted to kill him. You want to talk about a systemic issue when the king trying to snuff you out? Oh, my goodness. And you know what happens? I'm going to use some contemporary language of the day. Don't mean I agree with it. Just come back next week. But the Magi come. They got Magi privilege, and they come in. And the Magi, they fund, they, fund, they fund his trip to be able to go to Egypt. That's what the Bible says, that they came, that he had gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and they fund the trip for him to be able to go to Egypt, right? And Jesus' life, man, it just was just so easy from there, right? Nope. They roll back into the Holy Land. He grows up as a carpenter's son. But can I tell you, he didn't grow up with his daddy, his, his biological pop. 
You hear what I'm telling you? It was Joseph, his stepdaddy, that raised him up. And then when you read the Gospels, this crazy thing happens that Joseph just disappears from the pages of Scripture. But even before that, let, let me just tell you about his upbringing, though. When he was 12, the Bible says that he was in the, in the temple. And his family, they left without him, okay? They left without him. Jesus is there. He, he understands the condition of what we go through. He is there. His mom and daddy realized, oh, no, we left our son. We didn't left God's son. Can you imagine a parent, you leaving God's child about? I, that's the topic for a whole another day. But you lose, we didn't lost the son of God. <laughs> Can you imagine that? We didn't left him. We didn't lost it. How are we going to work that out, right? And so they go to looking around and looking around and looking around, and they find him, and they find him in the temple. And I love the conversation between Jesus and mama. Can I just say, I, love, I got a mama, I'm married to a mama, and I know a whole lot of mamas, okay? I know how y'all act. I know how y'all act. And I could just see her coming in, how could you do this to us? I can't believe this. Do you not know what could have happened to you? You all out here by yourself. I, I just could imagine, this is my holy, sanctified imagination about how this conversation went down. And you know what Jesus said to her? Didn't you not know I was going to be in my father's house? And I love that answer because you got Mary going in, and I believe it's a genuine expression of just fear and, and struggle and what's going on, but she's trying to put that on Jesus. And what Jesus told her as a young lad right then and there is, listen, my father got me. He had me. He's going to keep me. He's going to always have me. And that is the perspective that we have to have in this world. He understands it, and he knows it, and we can trust him. The reason why I say that is because in Matthew's gospel, in Matthew, if you're just taking down notes, Matthew's gospel, he, he knows, Jesus knows the hardship. Matthew 11, 28 through 30, I just want you to let this seep into your soul this morning. He says, come to me. Y'all catch that? that? That's the problem in our world. I'm just telling you right now, it shows up in a lot of different ways, but here is the Number one problem, come to me. What's the problem? People ain't coming to him. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke up upon you, and notice this. What does he say? And what? Learn from me. Not, not, this is very important because we learn it from a whole lot of other sources. We learn from a whole lot of other people. We're giving a whole lot of other people's jurisdiction in our lives. We, listen, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He reminds us in this last message, God tells us, why should we trust him to live faithfully for him? It's because he has already lived faithfully for us. He has already done it. He has paved the way, and we can trust him. You know, I, I love the dynamics of verse 17. Verse 17, they're just great crying out. Can I just tell you, in verse 17, it says, it's the spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come, and let the one who is thirsty come. There's this invitation that's given out. He says, listen, the spirit, you notice the S in that thing is capitalized. That's a decision by the translator. I believe it's the correct one. What it's saying is the Holy Spirit is saying, come on, come on, just come on to Jesus, just come on. But not only, not only is the Holy Spirit, but guess who else is? It says the bride. You know who that is? The church. Right now, we, right now, I'm saying, please come. If you have not come, please come. Right now is the time. But guess what? There's even going to be people that hear this. They ain't even come in yet. You just heard it. You know what you need to be saying? Come on. I ain't all in just yet, but come on with what they're talking about. Come on. And then it, it lays it out very clearly what happens. He says, listen, there are those that need life. And he says, if you come. Verse 17, let the one who wishes take the water of life. How? Without cost. This idea, he's talking about salvation, he's talking about relationship. And the reason why, you know why you can take it without cost, is not because it's not costly. You can take it without cost. You can have salvation without cost because it's already paid for. That, that, that's the idea. He's making one to make a deal. He's wanting to make an exchange. Say, take it. You see... Our Lord also has to keep it real, though. You know, he's going to give us affirmation and encouragement and direction. But last thing I want us to see, he's going to give us a warning. He's going to give us a warning. 
in verses 18 and 19, we see this warning. It says, I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues which are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his part from the tree of life and from the holy city. Which are written in this book. You see, God is serious about his word. And he gives us this warning about tampering with it. That if you tamper with his word, if you seek to omit things because they don't fit where you want them to fit, or you seek to add things to be able to try to make it fit into where you want them to fit, then you're going to have a problem. Your problem is going to be with God, and you're going to experience the things that he has laid out. Now, understand, I believe that he is specifically talking about those who would deliberately, deliberately falsify and interpret to be able to deceive. Now, I've already been swinging. I might as well keep on going, right? Let's just keep on going. You know, anybody come up to you and they're talking about another will and testament? That word another should tip you off immediately. Why I need another one? I already got this one. You know, that, that's what jo- Joseph Smith, he, uh, another. Bro, we don't need another. When somebody comes up to you and they say you need another, say there's a word that we call that in our church. You know what that is? Baloney. We don't need no another. Whenever somebody comes up to you and they say, we got the New World Translation. That would you like the whole witness going to do? And you, and you need, they didn't went in and change words and mess around and move commas and periods and try to change the essence of the text. And when they come to you, you say, you know what? I learned a word about this the other day, what you're trying to tell me at church. You ever heard it? It's called baloney. Whenever somebody tries to tell you that Jesus is not the end, he already told you, he said, I'm the alpha and the what? Omega. So let me just let me just encourage you here for just one minute that we we need nobody else to clarify for us who God is and what he's done. So if any other prophet comes to tell you whether they came in the 1600s like Muhammad did for Islam, we we don't need another book. They tell you they seen some golden plates and they were getting revelation from some angel. Can I tell you there's a word for that? Baloney, because we already have it set right here. It's already set. Now, let me tell you, I'm not saying that we should be militant or me. Like, I, I, it, Jesus fascinates me. When he was here, he dealt with people that disagree with him all the time. He dealt with people that didn't believe what he was saying all the time. Did you see him strapping on a sandwich board, being mad, walking down the road all the time? Did you see him doing like that? Did you see him, you know, hollering and yelling and, and being mean to people? That, that ain't what he did. That, that's not what he did. He, 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 number one, shared the truth in love. Always, his message and his lifestyle stayed the same. And he was not afraid if you didn't believe. He would straight up let you know. He would come in your house. He, he would know what you were thinking. He undressed. He, he knew exactly what they were thinking about him that they didn't even believe. And he right in there just dropping truth bombs, just dropping them on, just like that every time. But nobody would ever be able to deny that he told the truth and that he loved strong. You see, for us, that's the way in which we do it. When we recognize, I'm not looking, when, when the Mormon, they show up on your doorstep, when the Jehovah's Witness show up on your doorstep, I, I don't think you just say, y'all going to hell, bang, and slam the door. Man, ain't that, boy, them Christians. Wow. There's a way in which we have to handle this. But just understand, the word is very clear, though. Very clear. If you decide you want to take away or add, you're going to have to deal with God, and you don't want that. I want to close this way. The last reason why you should be willing to faithfully, faithfully live with the Lord is because he's coming back soon. I didn't say that. He said it. Verse 20, he who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming quickly now I know y'all thinking you know I'm doing you know preacher I was doing a little math and uh, that's been almost 2,000 years ago (laughs) what's this quickly stuff the idea of coming quickly it means the imminent return of Christ that listen the events of the things when they begin to unfold it's going to happen quickly it's going to happen quickly. So what in the world, why, why, why all this time? What, what is going on? 
Can I just leave you with one passage of scripture and close this way in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 through 9. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 3 says this. Know this first of all, that in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. For when they maintain this, it escapes their notice that by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and by water. Through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. But by his word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise. As some count slowness, but is patient towards you. Okay, I just, every time I read it, I have to pause and I just have to say, he is patient. Praise you, God, for your patience that, that you, you didn't come. You didn't come before February 19, 2006, because had you had come, I would have been in trouble. And if you look at your life, you think about your life, where he has brought you from and what he has done, and how patient he has been with you and the things that he has endured and worked with you on and helped you with. He, he, is, he is patient towards you. And just understand that this world, the longer it goes, the more decay is going to show. That's why he said we got to be salt. The longer it goes, the darker it's going to get. That's why he says we have to be light. But understand, it's not because he's forgotten us. It's not because he's not in control, but he is patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come. To repentance. You see, his last message, the last thing that he says, is he says, come. He says, come. You see, I don't know everybody's spiritual condition in the room. I don't know if you've given your life to the Lord Jesus. But can I just tell you, he came so that you could come to him. And if you'll be willing to surrender your life to him, I tell you, it, it is the best decision that anybody will ever make. He has given us his word. It's true and it's reliable so we can know him and know how to come to him. He has given us his word so we can share it with people that don't know him so they can come to know him. He has given us his word to show us how we are to live, what he has done so we can have a relationship with him. And what he is saying to you is come. Anybody weary and heavy laden today, Any, anybody weary, anybody heavy laden, he says, come and I will give you rest. And can I tell you, ultimately rest is whenever you're in relationship with him. And then can I tell you, our God is good enough that he can sustain you until you are with him. That, that's the way this works. Are you willing to come? Are you willing to surrender? Will you pray with me? Lord, we love you. And this morning... Your patience is on my mind, Lord. You've been patient. Lord, even when I say that, that it just does not really capture the weight of how long and how good, how intentional, how faithful you are, how long you've been that way. And God, I pray if there's anyone here, they, they never surrendered their life to, to you, Lord. But the way in which we respond is going to tell us about who we are and where we're headed. I pray, Lord, that they would surrender to you and they would go from being wrong and filthy to being righteous and holy. Everybody that's ever come to you, Lord, that's been the process. And so, Lord Jesus, I pray right here in this room or watching, Lord, that they would surrender their life to you. They would surrender to you, Lord. 
They would say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. I call on you to save me, to forgive me, and to change me, and to use me for your glory. And Lord, I believe that by faith, if they surrender, they repent, turn to you, you will, you will accept them because, Lord, you, you came so we could come. That, that's the whole purpose. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters. Lord, we have come to you. I pray, Lord, that we will continue to wash our robes, that we will continue to live for you, that we will continue to allow your word to richly dwell in us, that, Lord, it will be natural to us that we would honor you, Lord, that we would think about in all the things that are going on, that are going on in our world, Lord, how, how much scripture have we shared? How much have we prayed? How, how much have we witnessed in the midst of all these things? Or, Lord, have we just went right along with everybody else? And, God, I pray that, Lord, we would understand what we have in you the relationship, the, the power, and the comfort, and the care. And that, Lord, we're just getting started good. That, Lord, though the outer man be decaying and be down, our inner, inner man is being renewed day by day. It's just getting better and better and better. So, Lord, as we worship, I pray, God, you would work. Work in hearts and minds. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. I hope God spoke to you during the message today. We want to know about it. You can fill out a connection card at wordbaptist.com slash connection card. We want to help you through any spiritual questions you may have while you're on this journey. You see, we believe that the first step is for a person to give their life to Jesus Christ. The Bible is very clear that the greatest need that humanity has is to be saved. And that the only way to be saved is through Jesus Christ. If you will agree with God that you need him for the forgiveness of your sins and you will turn to him in repentance and believe in him, uh, you will be saved. The Bible says that you do this by one, believing that Jesus Christ died and was raised from the dead and that you believe that his payment is sufficient for you, that you will call out to him as Lord and Savior, he will save you. If you're listening to this service and do not have a church home, we would love for you to come and be our guest during a time of worship. We have multiple services. We would love to meet you personally and have you here for worship. You can check us out at wordbaptist.com for service times. If you've missed any sermons, they're all archived there online, so you can go back and watch them. You can connect with us on social media at Word Baptist. If you would like to invest in the ministry and continue the spread of the gospel, you can give online at wordbaptist.com give. I'm so grateful that you've joined us today, and I hope you've learned something that you can apply to your life, and we hope to see you again next time right here at Word Baptist Church.